the pandemic happened and we were all forced to not only like was theater taken away from me, but also like my restaurant job, <laughs> literally everything. So I started experimenting with design and I had been designing my own website and like helping friends with their websites for years. But then I was like, oh, I could just do this while we're all stuck at home. Why not? And it kind of blew up into a whole thing. But then also at the same time, I was posting on TikTok and gained a medium-sized following on TikTok. Welcome to the Social Complex Podcast, where we are diving into the complex impact and influence of social media on brands, brains, and the bigger picture of our modern world. Here's your host, Hillary Applegate. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm very excited to share this with you. I sat down with Sarah Kleist to do an interview on her experience on social media. Sarah is a website designer, creative, and performing artist based out of New York. Her story includes stumbling into success on TikTok, building a business in web design through the pandemic, and finding fun and connections via social media, including a weird serendipitous encounter as to how we met. She took the time to share her journey as an entrepreneur, TikTok creator, and artist in the New York theater scene. We get into some conversations around the weird relevancy of social media algorithms, parents exploiting or not exploiting their children for cloud online, and how she landed an interview with the Duolingo Owl, who, if you're not familiar with, go check them out on TikTok right now. Join us as we dabble in the world of entrepreneurship and TikTok. Let's get into it. Hey, Sarah. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I so Sarah and I know each other because Sarah was my website designer for Social HQ. Hell yeah. And she did a phenomenal job. She completely rebranded Social HQ. Took us up 10 notches, I would say. Hell yes. So we love that. We love that journey for us. And so after Sarah, we met, I was like, I'm obsessed with you. I think you have such good energy and such a cool story. And when I was going through the laundry list of topics that I wanted to talk about and people that I thought would be really interesting to get to get on the mic for telling their story. I thought you were a prime person. So I'm so glad that you are here today. Oh my gosh. Thanks. I feel like I feel very at home in in this, the world of this podcast. So I'm excited. (laughs) So let's go ahead and get into it. Give us some background. What is your life story? Okay, well, (laughs) okay, so um, I'll give you like the TLDR version, but I am from Wisconsin and I grew up performing and like doing all the theater in my school. I was definitely like the Rachel Berry of my high school. (laughs) Like I was, if anyone's seen Glee, like I was that annoying theater girl in high school. That eventually took me to New York City, where I studied theater and where I currently live and have been living for uh, 10 years this year, which is wild. And along the way of being a New York City performing artist, I was serving in restaurants and doing the whole like starving artist survival job hustle. And then the pandemic happened and we were all 
forced to not only like was theater taken away from me, but also like my restaurant job, <laughs> literally everything, because we're all just in our apartment doing nothing and twiddling our thumbs and the world collapsing and everything was terrible. <laughs> so I am not someone that can just sit and do that. I can't be in my own thoughts for more than a week. So I started experimenting with design and I had been designing my own website and like helping friends with their websites for years. But then uh, I was like, oh, I could just do this while we're all stuck at home. Why not? And it kind of blew up into a whole thing. And now I have a whole web design business, which is my full-time main source of income. But then also at the same time, I was posting on TikTok and gained a medium-sized following on TikTok. So You're being humble. It's a pretty good-sized following on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, went from survival jobbing it up to a full-on career in online business world and social media. And now, because, you know, theater's not completely already back yet, it kind of feels like my side hustle. So I, my life kind of did like a 180, but couldn't be happier, truly. That's amazing. And I love it, too, because as you were talking, I was like, wait, where did we meet? We met in a Facebook group. Yeah, we totally I Well, we didn't meet in a Facebook group, but I found you in a Facebook group because you yep. were posting about somebody, a brand that you were working on and you were asking for feedback. And I was like, holy shit, this girl's good. So oh. I started stalking you and I was on your website and I filled out your pricing sheet form. And then you followed me on Instagram within like 10 <laughs> seconds. And then I was like, Sarah, I am stalking you while you are stalking me. I remember that. <laughs> it was a very social media driven interaction. <laughs> it was. It really was. And actually, like, I don't know if we're getting like too much into the meat about this right now, but in pretty much every aspect of my life, whether it was like theater or like my web design business or whatever, I have had the most success doing things online. Like even in the theater world, if I go to like an in-person audition, nothing ever happens. But if I post a video on Instagram of me like singing something, then someone that I know will share it with someone doing a project and I'll get a job. But if I went wow. to that same audition in real life, I like won't get it. I swear to God, it's the weirdest thing. So I'm just like, I give up. Like, I guess my whole life's online now because like <laughs> it always just works out that way. It's so crazy. What do you think is the difference between the online sharing and being in person that's getting you those leads better? I realized this back in like 2018. So like for all of 2018 and 2019, I was like, great, I guess like I'm why waste my energy on anything other than the thing that's really working for me. And so I think the difference is that when I made videos and posted them on Instagram, I was able to really curate how they look. I would go to a super beautiful studio I had a nice camera. I would make sure there were tons of natural light. I made sure like the setting was good. And like, I'm not a photographer or anything, but like I have a good eye. So I would make sure it looked really nice. I feel like it was scroll stopping. Like people would stop their scroll. Whereas in an audition room, like you're in this crappy fluorescently lit midtown rehearsal studio where they've been there for like seven hours and they've heard 500 people. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? So I feel like it really is the curation of it all. It's just so funny because now like my whole life is curating aesthetics for other people and myself and just all makes sense. <laughs> it does all make sense. When you're approaching you're trying to promote your performing art side versus your web design side. How do those two differentiate? 
Ooh. Well, I mean, it's so hard to even say because right now it's like still what's even happening. Like there are shows open, but it's not how it was. But well, it's actually interesting because I have two different Instagram accounts, right? And the vibes on those Instagram accounts are so different just in terms of the people I follow. So my personal Instagram is like also my performer Instagram. And it's just such a specific set of humans and community. It's actually kind of anxiety inducing to post over there. Whereas on my web design business account, (laughs) everyone's just out there trying to promote their stuff, trying to add value. Everyone's just trying to show up. There's not a ton of negativity I find on my business Instagram at all. So I actually hang out way more on my business Instagram. But yeah, no, I think on the performer side, there's a lot more nuances of like what's expected of you in that community versus like, I think in the online business world, you can sort of be innovative and like people might care for one second and they'll scroll on and be worried about their own business. It feels much more invasive in the performer world, but yeah, well, it under- it's understandable too, because in the performing world, you are being judged based on your ability to perform and, yeah. you know, show up in your own unique way. And I think that there is that inherent judginess, whereas with marketing or with business in general, everybody is pretty scrappy no one's going to be like, oh, look at her trying to open her own business. When? Yeah, exactly. Because like, <laughs> like everyone, everyone's out here just like People employing. are too scared. Yes. And also like everyone just has their own stuff to worry about. Whereas like yeah. in the theater world, I think everyone's just bored because like 90% of people are unemployed at any given time. So they all they have to do is like <laughs> judge other people on Instagram. Watch any of my like theater friends <laughs> hearing this right now. I'm just like bitching about theater people. But like they'll all agree. Okay. <laughs> like, hey, I'm not in the theater world, but I can absolutely see it. I think that there's probably some <laughs> lingering uh, high school vibes in, in that crowd sometimes. So because you have two separate accounts, do you notice a difference in what pops up in your like for you page and what the algorithm is trying to serve you as far as like what you would be interested in? Yeah, well, okay. so on my on Instagram, I notice that it does pick up from both sides. Yeah, I go into my recommended feed or whatever. I don't even know what it's called. Discovery. That's what it's called. Yeah. (laughs) On Instagram, it will show me like, even on my business account where I don't follow any theater people, have never interacted with theater accounts. Like I specifically, when I made that account, I was like, I will not mess up this algorithm. (laughs) And even still it knows because it's like connected to my other account and it'll like bring up some theatery stuff. And then on my personal theater account, I will get so much design stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if that's because I spend most time on my other account. But on TikTok, where I only have one account, it is really like a wild mixed bag of content on my For You page. But yeah, I would say it's like 10% theater, 20% online marketing. And then the rest, I just love TikTok for like entertainment in general. So I just love following like the famous babies and dogs and like the comedy of it all. Are you talking about Maya Knight and the twins? I love her. I love her too. I'm like, I'm not even pregnant or with child, but I'm just like, I love these babies. (laughs) Those babies. I'm not even like, ever in my life have I been someone who... I don't even think I want kids. I've never had this maternal want that like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have. And I'm obsessed with her babies. She made me obsessed with babies. And I'm like, what's happening? This is wild. 
So for people who don't know, Maya Knight is a TikToker who has, I mean, millions of followers now. And she has two twins. She's raising them by herself. And their names are Scarlet and Violet, correct? Scout. Scout, Scout and Violet, but everybody <laughs> changes their name all the time to like Scotch and Vodka, uh, yeah. Scooter and Violence. Yes. I love it. I love and I think it. that's part of the fun part with TikTok too that takes it to the next level is that there's that community within the comment section and you get people that really make their shine by the quirky short comments that they make. And it can take on a life form of its own. I mean, you have millions of people that understand that these two twin babies being raised by the single mom have various names. And if you try to mom shame her, you will be (laughs) brought down by the commenters. Did you just see that she just posted something being like, we need to talk. Um, She was like, people say I'm exploiting my children, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I think she's, I don't know. I think she's right. I don't think... Okay, you know that girl, Victoria Paris? Paris? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you know how she, like, got famous because she made 60 videos on TikTok a day? Yes. Okay. I feel like if Maya Knight was doing that with her children, yes. (laughs) Like, I could say maybe probably exploiting. But how, like, she posts, like, two videos a day, like, three. It's, like, ten minutes of their lives. Like, I don't know, maybe I'll, like, change. I I just feel like, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to watch children of influencers grow up their perspective of it yeah but yeah no I'm just I don't know (laughs) torn on that issue that's an interesting point though because right now I think that we're starting to see kids that were more so probably Facebook kids their parents posted photos and albums of them in you know not the cute phase where you're a little baby (laughs) and you're doing all these fun things but you know your awkward teenager phase where you're you know 13 years old with braces and have a terrible first highlight round in your hair I speak from experience and (laughs) you know that's just like a very awkward time that I think now those kids are older they probably are going to have the first wave of experience of it. I have only seen one person that's been fairly outwardly upset about their parent talking about them. But I think that was more of like a parent-child riff than actually a product of sharing your kids. And I think it comes down to the difference of, are you doing it for popularity? Or are you doing it as a creative outlet? Are you doing it as an online photo book? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Maya Knight makes so much money, I bet. I mean, I don't know, but like, I bet. (laughs) And like, those kids are going to have their college paid for. Maybe I'm just coming from a lower middle class Wisconsin upbringing and I have student loans, but I'm like, damn, I wish my parents would have exploited me on the internet or like the opportunity to because maybe I wouldn't (laughs) have student loans. (laughs) Mom, if you're listening to this, here's where you went wrong. (laughs) I was very cute. No, I think that from a brand manager side, I actually don't know how much money she's making right now. I think she's just starting to get into being able to make money. Historically, I don't think she was making a ton of money by any means. So and it's so much work to be a creator. I'm not a creator myself. I can manage brands and that's about it. I treat my personal Instagram like it is a photo album. I don't care how many likes I get. I am private. But (laughs) 
I have so much respect for people that are creators and who do take the time and effort to put content out into the world. One, because you open yourself up to so much vulnerability of people being able to judge every single thing. Like if you're explaining your kids or not, like back off. It's not, that's none of your business. And then two is you have to always be on. You always have to be producing. You can't just slouch off and stop and expect to be able to pick right back up where you left unless you're Britney Spears and you're being held in a conservatorship, which we will talk about one day, but Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you're a creator. I would categorize you as a creator and you are what you would say, you know, semi following on TikTok. I'll say she has 60,000 plus followers on TikTok and you had four and a half million views on one TikTok in particular. What was that like? when you went viral on TikTok. Explain that day to us. Okay. Well, I will say, so I, the first video that ever went viral of me on TikTok was a singing video. So I always, I'm like, damn, I like messed up my own algorithm because my content's so all over the place that like no one knows what they're following me for anymore. But the first ever video I posted was literally horizontal. It wasn't even vertical because it was like May 2020 that I did this. And I had just downloaded the app because I was bored and we were all still in the pandemic. And I was like, what is this? And I like downloaded it. And then I was scrolling for like a week and I was like, this is funny. Like this is storytelling. Like this is theater on an app right now. So I was like, I have this video that I already made. Let me just post it. It was a singing video that I made for Instagram and nothing happened for like two hours. And then all of a sudden, like the likes and the shares and the comments just kept rolling in. And I was like, what's happening? Like, this is the first time I'd ever like gone viral on any platform. And I always say this too. I think it's interesting to be on TikTok in our like millennial ages, Mm -hmm. because when we were on Instagram, well, at least when I was on Instagram, I was still in high school. And I don't think I had like a grasp of like how an algorithm could be used for our careers for business for like selling things for like gaining a following so like when I just first started Instagram I was just posting stupid things and now being older having gone through Instagram as millennials on TikTok there was like a couple of years there and still I think we still are in like the early phases of TikTok where it's like oh, now that we like understand how it works, like we understand how to structure a video that you, you know, if you stick to one topic or maybe you like have one vibe, then you can like build a following. This is like the first time I think millennials are really given a fair chance at a new quote unquote app. But oh, oh yes. It is the first time it's ever I'd ever been viral because I was too young, I think on Instagram to like really understand what was happening or like the potential of it. So it was really wild. And then I didn't really post that much after that. I was scared, I guess, or something, because it's scary to have that many thousands of people liking your stuff. And then I posted another video that also did well. And then I was just like, wow, this is crazy. And I like people started following. It was just wild. I'm like trying to remember. It's like kind of hard to remember, actually. But the planner video was the one that really popped off and that's the one with four million views and that was 
So there's this planner company. They're called Golden Coil. It's like the best thing ever. They're customizable planners. They're very fancy. I'm literally like the spokesperson for them now. (laughs) They're like $80 a piece, but they're so nice. Literally the only planner I've ever used throughout the entire year because they're so customizable. You can make it perfect for you. So I've been getting those planners for like four years. And literally one day I was like, what if I just like made a little video. This would be a good video and made it in literally five minutes, posted it. And then literally 4 million views. It was insane. I literally didn't do anything in that day except for refresh my notification for like 12 full hours. It was going so fast. And I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I just laid in bed and refreshed the notifications. That (laughs) is nuts. It was so crazy. And it has like 700,000 likes or something. That is crazy. When you get that many people that are looking at your content, especially, I mean, I think it's one thing to do it as a, you know, I, this is something that I enjoy and at least the attention's off of you, but you singing and having that go viral, I can imagine (laughs) how that might feel a little uncomfy and exciting. It's actually more anxiety inducing to have it be about me talking because I'm used to the singing, you know? Well, I mean, thankfully, no one was like, you suck at my singing. (laughs) Like When people were like commenting on the planner video, they'd be like, people spend $80 on a planner. And I felt myself like having to feel like I had to justify my purchasing decision. Really? Like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. See, I, mm-hmm. I, I come from the lens of I don't have a phenomenal voice, so I would be like <laughs> mortified. Even if people were very nice, I'd be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> people are commenting on my singing. I'd be so scared. <laughs> but that's super cool that you have the experience from both the performing arts side and also your more professional side, even though a planner is kind of like all-encompassing task management. But, you know, I'll I'll call that more professional side. Yeah. So you've had the experience of both. What do you think is the key to creating really interesting and great content on TikTok? God, I don't even know. I feel like the videos that I remember later on or if I'm at a dinner and then I'm like, oh, I saw this thing on TikTok, blah, blah, blah. It's always something that no one's ever thought of before. And so like my, the first video that I did, the singing one, it was Defying Gravity from Wicked, but we did it. My boyfriend's an orchestrator. So we did like a pop punk version of it. And so I think that's why it went, like if it was just me singing Defying Gravity, I don't think it would have gone anywhere because it's basic and like everyone's heard it because it was like a punk version of it. People were like, what is this? It's scroll stopping. The other videos that went viral of mine before the planner were all about how like I spent a lot of the pandemic reaching out to one new person every single day and expanding my network a lot. And so people found that concept like interesting, I think. And then the planner, I think that's like really like I don't think a lot of people had heard that there were like customizable planners like that. Like I think most people just go to Staples and like get their $10 planner. You know what I mean? So I think it's if you have like a really great idea, of course, when you're on the For You page, you'll be scrolling and you'll see like someone lip syncing to like the same thing that every single other person has done or talking about something that a lot of other people have talked about. But I think the ones that you like tell someone else about while you're out at dinner or whatever are like there's something like innovative behind it. Yeah. I would agree with that. I was actually kind of surprised because I only really spend time on my For You page. 
Yeah, same. I'm not looking at hashtags. I'm not really looking. I mean, I was looking at hashtags of Vishlas when I was getting a Vishla dog. That's about it. Because I was like, I just I know. Need- I always I do look up like sometimes I'll just look up like dog or something. Yeah, I'm like, if I just need something feel good like I, that. But that's it. I'm not looking up especially trends and stuff when people put their own spin on trends and things like that without any type of innovation like that never reaches me but the for you page on tiktok can get oddly specific yeah oddly specific and i'm like this yeah, is hilarious how did you know this about me i didn't even know it about myself yeah but that relatability the humor i get a lot of humor i i know some people get you know whatever phase of life they're in Did you hear that comment or see that comment that someone made about how there were some older guys that were like, yeah, you don't want to be on TikTok because it's all just girls in bikinis dancing around. And they're like, did no one tell them that it's an algorithm based on what they uh, like? (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't like your TikTok for you page, maybe look in the mirror a little bit. It's definitely on you. (laughs) It's on you and you're admitting you're a little creepy. So I think TikTok, that is one of the negatives of TikTok for me. But uh, when you think about TikTok as a platform, what do you think are some of the best things about the platform? because we've all now been on it for like two years. I feel like something that I really loved about it when I first saw it, that I feel like I've forgotten like how crazy it is, is that the concept of literally just being on the for you page all the time, I am constantly interacting with new people's content and learning so many new things about the world. And I cannot say that about Instagram. Like on Instagram, it's all the people I follow. Yeah. I see the same people's shit every day. Exactly. (laughs) On TikTok, I feel like I learn something new every day, find new people that I think are really cool every day. It feels like a place for always like discovering something which we've never had in social media before. And that was like one of the first things that I was like so obsessed about it in the beginning. And I feel like now I've gotten over that because obviously we've all been out here. Well, I've been out here scrolling for two years every night. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. And then, I don't know. I just think I like that it's kind of normalizing instead of this very curated, unattainable aesthetic mm-hmm. that we had on Instagram, even though, I mean, I'm a designer, like I love that. If you go on my Instagram feed, it's curated. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I like that most of the videos that do well on TikTok are just people like in their bedroom with like unwashed hair, wearing a sweatshirt and just like talking. All right, Sarah, now that we know what the positives are, what do you think are the negatives with TikTok? Oh, I mean, honestly, I think it's like absolutely damaging my attention span even more than like Facebook and Instagram were. (laughs) But I think because of like people like Charlie D'Amelio and like Addison Rae and all of those kinds of people. And I think because there is kind of this understanding that it's like, quote unquote, easier to gain a following on TikTok. Like, I wonder if people feel if they don't have a following on TikTok, if they're like, unworthy or like bad at creating content or like people don't like them or something you know what I mean like there's like an understood thing that like it it's so easy if you just pick a niche and just like film every day and like blah 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 but I don't think that's necessarily the case and I wonder if I was like 18 or 19 or something I would probably feel like oh god like I'm not famous on TikTok I'm not worthy (laughs) yeah I can imagine that'd be a lot of pressure to put on yourself 
when you're looking at how different people are performing, it can be really disheartening. Yeah. And at the same time, too, I think that there are sometimes... I don't think it's necessarily a TikTok issue as much as it is just a broad stroke issue that happens on TikTok. But I think that there is a lot of comparison and pockets of negativity that can come up. And I think that for people who do spend a lot of time on the platform, they can get wrapped up in this feeling and sense of comparison that can be not very productive. And I think that's true for pretty much any social platform. But because TikTok is so endless scroll, I think it can just really wrap people up a little bit too far down a rabbit hole sometimes that if they are not in a good mental space or if they don't have a healthy relationship with the platform, it can be kind of daunting or detrimental to them. Yeah, I totally agree. Have you gotten, you know, when you scroll on TikTok and they have the pop up that says, hey, you've been scrolling for a long time. Maybe it's time to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, haven't we all? <laughs> uh, I, I would. I'd be curious if someone has not gotten that, but I, I do think that's a nice little function that they have to, you know, keep it, keep it uh, a safe space as much as possible. Does anyone see that? And then they're like, "Oh, you're right. Bye." <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm like, "Oh, thank you so much for the reminder." Next. <laughs> It's like when Apple put in the reminder about they're like, this is how long you were on your phone this week. Mine's embarrassing. Yeah. Like mine oh my is God. terrible. You and I both, we work in the digital space. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, I used to have mine remind me. And then I was like, why am I looking at this? This is literally my job. Of course I was like, it would be like bad if I wasn't on my phone that much, because that means I wasn't getting anything done. Honestly, if anything, when I see that, it makes me be like, oh, shoot, Uh, maybe I should spend less time on my phone. Maybe it's time to take a vacation. And then I feel bad because I'm not taking a vacation for another six months or so. Yeah. (laughs) So talking about brands on TikTok, who would you say is crushing it as a brand, not just as a personal creator? Oh, my God. Well, you already know my feelings on Duolingo. I love Duolingo. Me too. So for those of you who don't know, Duolingo is, you know, the language app, learning app. I feel like most people know what that app is. Their mascot for the company as a whole is an owl. And when they made a TikTok account, apparently they had this owl suit. And when they they made their TikTok account, they brought on someone to run their entire TikTok. And she like absolutely blew up from wearing this owl suit and following the TikTok trends. And actually, I reached out to her randomly. Speaking of reaching out to one new person every day, I was trying to do that in January. And I was like, who should I reach out to today? So I did that. And I reached out to the girl who runs the Duolingo TikTok. And I was just like, hey, like, would love to interview you for my blog if you're down. And she was. And so we had like a little Zoom interview. And she is the sweetest, nicest person. It was so interesting to hear her talk about how she grew a brand TikTok account to like such a crazy amount. Because if you're not on TikTok yet, the whole thing is people don't really interact with like business accounts as much as they do personal accounts. So it's kind of interesting to like watch a business account get viral famous. It's amazing that she's been able to accomplish that. And it's amazing that you reached out and you were able to glean such intimate insight from her as far as what 
she did and how she really goes about it. What were your biggest takeaways from that interview? (laughs) I was kind of stressed because I feel like she was telling me stuff that maybe she shouldn't have been telling me, but like, apparently she's able to like the vibe that I got from her was that her office is just super laid back and the CEO is super laid back. I was like, damn, am I like supposed to be like posting this in a blog, honestly? (laughs) But but I was like, you know what? She told me and she knew I was going to write about it and like, whatever. Um, I also sent her the blog afterwards and I was like, if you need me to change anything, let me know. And she was like, love it. And like nothing else happened. So I was like, great, love that. But yeah, she gave me so much insight and apparently she gets to just post whatever she wants. And then she said she's had to take down a couple of videos that were on the raunchier side, which I just think is so funny. But apart from a couple, she gets to keep up all the videos and like they're unhinged. Like if anyone's listening and you haven't seen these TikToks, pause this right now and go watch some Duolingo TikToks. They're wild. I have one that comes to mind that I'm like, I don't even want to repeat what it was, but I also loved it because it was so in your face. Like who in the world is running this account? How in the world did you get this approved? (laughs) And I think it's also as a social media manager, it's like every social media manager's dream to be able to have such like authority over the brand, especially when it's something that can be very funny and interactive and, you know, just something that's a lot more interesting. And I think that there's almost this idea in the workspace where it's like, oh, if you're a social media manager, aren't you just posting memes all day? And even at her level where she is posting things that are like very culturally funny, pop culture funny of the times entertaining, I think that there is still such a rigorous process of being able to understand your niche audience. And you can't just get away with being funny for the sake of being funny. There has to be more to it. So I think that that's an interesting part with her and with your interview with her. Yes. I also just think, thank God, thank God a singular CEO let someone run wild. I I just think it's such a good example for like other CEOs to trust their, you know, Gen Z social media managers, because that app, yes, there's like millennials on it, there's Gen X on it, like there's so many ages of people, but the humor on that app is so Gen Z, like across the board, no matter if you're Gen Z or not. And I just feel like if you're gonna have a TikTok account as like a big business brand, you need to just trust your Gen Z TikTok manager. (laughs) Just like trust them. (laughs) Would a thousand percent agree. Although I have seen some fairly funny lawyer TikToks where you can tell that they're outside of their comfort zone. Oh my gosh. What do you mean? Like they're not getting into, you know, Gen Z humor, but it's almost like dads trying to be cool with the kids and they're like doing little dances and little skits and stuff. And they get a lot of love from the TikTok community. I will say TikTok's pretty welcoming for the most part. Totally. However, she managed to relate in the specific humor that is on TikTok. She just was able to do that. And like, thank God. Thank goodness. She is honestly hysterical and I love following her. Uh, So where can listeners read that interview that you did with her? Yes. Okay. So it's on my website, Sarah Kleist, Sarah with an H, Kleist, K-L-E-I-S-T dot com. 
it's under blog. The picture is like of a huge green owl and it's very out of place against <laughs> my entire other aesthetic. So you really cannot miss it. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Yes. Everyone go check out that interview. It is amazing to get inside the brain of that little owl. And then I had a question for you before we even started. And then we just started rolling in this interview. So I was like, well, we're just going to have to pick that back up because it is something I am super curious to learn more about. What was your first experience with social media? What platform? What age? Tell us about it. Okay, well, I think it, it definitely was MySpace because, of course. Of course. I don't know how old I was, though. Maybe like, maybe I was like 11. I don't know. But all I knew was that I, the only things I cared about were picking my top eight and making sure my profile looked cute, which makes really a lot of sense now as a web designer. But I really was out here like coding, <laughs> like, <laughs> like picking themes, picking my music. So yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. <laughs> that does feel very full circle for you to get your start on MySpace HTML coding. Were you like hiding your top eight ever or doing a top 16 or anything like that? Yeah, I must have had top eight. I don't, did I hide them? I don't even remember. I might have been ballsy and I might have actually just like shown them to the world and been like, this is my best friend this week. Everyone else. Can and then away. you bump them down. <laughs> yep. Someone pisses you off and you like move them from the third spot to the fourth spot and you're like, take that, Cindy. I can't even believe that that was a thing. <laughs> so wild. Can you even like imagine what that would be like today? No, I can't. But it the fact that it existed and I was in, was I in eighth grade? I, I can't remember. I think I was maybe like late middle school, early high school is when I was using MySpace. And yeah. it was, I remember some core memories of being like devastated when somebody moved me in their top eight or when a bulletin went out that I was like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing or calling like me out or someone else out like bulletins. So passive aggressive. Wait, what were the bulletins again? I feel like I <gasps> forgot this. Okay, they were like public posts that you could do and they went out to everybody, like all of your friends and they would see them over, I think it was like on the left-hand side. I can't remember exactly what the layout was, but you'd see like a new bulletin post and you'd be able to scroll through and people would do those like quizzes and stuff. Like, how old are you? What's your favorite color? Like, what's the name of your first pet? Blah, blah, blah. Do you remember those quizzes and stuff? Oh, I do remember those on Facebook so when I was in high school and I, this is like a, you know, funny story and people might be able to piece together what this is, but I remember this vividly when it comes to bulletins, there was this girl that uh, was in our friend group and she was dating a guy that was older, which now looking back, I was like, Ooh, that was really weird that you were even doing that. Then it felt weird, but now it's like extra weird. And his, his name was Colby. And uh, another one of our friends had posted in the bulletins a picture of Colby Jack cheese and she posted in the comment she said that cheese looks a bit old to me oh and I was like this is drama this is dramatic that's drama and that has <laughs> stuck with me because it was 
the epitome of what bulletins I like would see so much was just so much passive aggressiveness. And when you're in high school, it's like, we could just get vicious man out there. But that was a core memory for me. I'll never forget that. I thought it was a really good dig. But That's enough so about funny. MySpace. <laughs> so let's go ahead. And now that we've looked back into the past, look into the future. What do you think the future of social media will look like in the next 10 years? I, okay. So, I mean, I literally don't even know what I'm saying when I say this, but something about the metaverse, everyone's talking about the metaverse and I don't even really fully understand what it is, to be honest. It seems like something that will take over everything. In my brain, when I think of what that is, I'm like, do we all just like put on VR glasses and then we just are in a virtual reality and we have an avatar that we create and then we're just like in a digital world and then hang out with our friends in the digital world. Like, is that what that is? Like, that's what I picture it being, but I literally have no idea. But something like that. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that happening. I don't know what the metaverse is going to look like, but I am very curious to see because it seems like Facebook is really doubling down their investment in that area. So I saw this TikTok actually recently. See, this is... <laughs> One of, one of the innovative TikToks that I was like, oh, I'll bring this up later. But I saw a TikTok about this recently and how uh, it was like this girl and she works in tech and she was like, whenever people talk about a new piece of technology, I'm always trying to figure out, is it an app? Is it a software? Is it gear? Like what form, what medium of technology are we like talking about? And then she was like, and sometimes it's just a vibe. And the metaverse is just a vibe. So when people are saying, I don't understand what the metaverse is, it's like, yeah, because it's a vibe. You can't like download the metaverse yet. And I just think that's so interesting. I don't even have an answer for this. So it's just a vibe. It's just an idea. Like, I don't know. So, but everyone seems to be hyped on it. So I'll make that my in 10 years answer. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And I totally get the comment about it's a vibe. I get it, but I don't get it at the same time. Which in and of itself could be a vibe, but I'm very curious to see what (laughs) is going to happen with that. I will say from the baby steps of it all, of being able to bring people together and be able to hang out in a you know virtual room with your friends and whatnot, that's kind of the next evolution of where social is today, which is you can be in different groups, you can meet different people. Clubhouse. I don't even know what's going on with Clubhouse anymore, but that was a big deal of being able to get a bunch of people into a room and whatnot. And that whole idea about connection and meeting people that you have similar interests with, but also people that you know, I think that that's going to continue. So I would agree with you. I think the metaverse is going to be really interesting. I don't know if I'm going to be like a grouchy old person by that point, though, where I'm going to be like, it's ruining everything good in the world. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know. I always wonder. I'm like, is today the day that I turn into that or what? Like, I never know. (laughs) When am I going to lose my edge? When am I going to be like, I don't like this anymore? (laughs) I know. I literally think that about everything. I think that when I go into like Zara and I don't like any of the clothes and I'm like, what's happening? Well, that you look next season. You're going to find something you like next season for sure. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like trash right now. 
<laughs> it is trash right now. I would agree with you. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so much fun talking to you. Tell us where can listeners follow you and learn more about you? Yes. Okay. Well, on my TikTok is at Skleist. So S-K-L-E-I-S-T. My business Instagram is Kleist Creative, K-L-E-I-S-T Creative. And then my website is sarahkleist.com, Sarah with an H. So yes, lots of Kleist everywhere. (laughs) So much Kleist and I'm here for it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thanks so much, Sarah. Super appreciate your time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Your support means the world to me. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. We'll be releasing a new episode every Tuesday, bringing you various stories, deep dives, and discussions around the complexities of social media in our modern world. To follow along for more, be sure to follow us at Your Social HQ on Instagram or check out Social HQ at www.yoursocialhq.com. I'm your host, Hillary Applegate, and I'll see you back here next week. Stay sane out there. This episode of The Social Complex was produced by You Lucky Dog Podcasts. Do you love recording your podcast, but the idea of mixing and editing makes you want to pull your hair out? Well, you're in luck. Whether you're just getting started or looking for help with an already established show, You Lucky Dog Podcast can help take your content to the next level. Put your show in the hands of experienced professionals so you can focus on creating and having fun. Visit youluckydogpodcast.com and book your podcast consultation today. That's youluckydogpodcast.com.